Zig coming in on the top. Today we have a very different show than per usual. As opposed to just one interview, this features an array of interviews from artists who were in Rooms to Let. Rooms to Let, traditionally set in vacant houses, set for demolition. Rooms to Let is using these spaces to transform the historic Broadway East 55th neighborhood. Working with local artists and business owners, the project uses uh, adapted temporary and semi-permanent installations to beautify storefronts and grass lots in Slavic Village. How I was involved with Room Select was I was part of a pirate radio. My friend's uh, Ladybug AV Club, they put together a, a room that was made up of all these crazy old analog TVs and had live performances in this space. They recorded it to tape, and then they were broadcasting it on an open radio spot during the whole process. While they had dead air in between artists playing which I played there as well, they played interview clips of the other artists around them that we pre-recorded. And that's what you're going to hear today. This is, uh, this is my pirate radio plugs um, from artists from Rooms to Let. All right, Zig from Zig at the Gig. You're listening to 93.9 WRTL, The Bug. Here at Rooms to Let, inspiration can be found anywhere. We're going to take a moment to learn about one of our artists with our frantic interview series. Here's Owen from Balloon Song. My name is Owen Lowry. Um, other than being just some random dude, I am an interactive artist. I'm based out of Pittsburgh, but I grew up in Cleveland. Um, and for Rooms to Let, I am working on a project called Balloon Song. Um, it's an installation that uses a bunch of, like a whole heck of a bunch of box fans blowing up from the floor. Yeah. And, and they have webcams on them and when you put and i'll have balloons out and you put balloons over them and the balloons will get, get kind of caught up in the vortex of each of these fans and the webcam will track the color the position and motion of the balloons and that color or position or motion gets translated into keyboard keystrokes and plays music Whoa. based on that so each of the different fans has different like a different um different instruments for it but um there will be three different colors so like any anytime you put blue it will be atmospheric sounds so maybe synthesizer sounds that are atmospheric or um, sound effects wind bird song things like that every time you put yellow on it it'll be instruments so whether that be like violin plucking things like that and then every time you put red on it it will be human sounds so <laughs> vocalization or distorted vocalization but every single fan is different but those things are consistent that's incredible yeah, so, yeah. wow that's yeah. really cool so i am in the jedona um what is it J uh jedona floor jedona. one yeah it's so it's like the uh the old bank building the okay old bank building Very and cool. i'm in the back garage area which might have been its vault um but it's got really, really like a lot of echo and reverb in there. So, um, and it's also right by. It's they're building the uh, the ADA ramp, so the, or the ramp for uh, accessibility, and accessibility and universal design is just such a big like part of my art practice that I was yeah. like super excited to. I was like, yeah, put me as close to like the wheelchair ramp entrance as possible because um, I like that stuff. Right. No, that's awesome. So are to to get to the medium that you're doing now were you a musician are you a musician is that your kind of main outlet is this or like uh 
What's, what's your kind <laughs> no, of main medium? I, my main medium is no medium. Um, I'm an interactive That's artist. Awesome. So like, I've always been one of those, like before I started doing art, I did motion graphics. I did uh, animation. I did video. I've been in bands my whole life, um, except for, you know, the last like 10 years, but like always playing music. So like it's every time I make work ever since I like started to do work as an artist and take on an art practice as opposed to doing like business work or business to business or things like that. Um, I fell in love with the idea of universal design. So universal design is the idea that you um, is that you design something um, that can be accessible to anyone regardless of their like um, age, height, socioeconomic background, their physical accessibility situation, emotional or mental or anything like that. And so by being a person who like has always played in a bunch of different realms of media, um, it just works for me that like I make stuff that involves sight, sound and touch. Um, so like, I'm always starting from a place of like, I want to integrate as many human senses as possible. Mm. And so like my background just kind of melded into that pretty well. Um, uh, but that's like really where I start from. And my goal as an artist is just to, uh, create situations that reward curiosity, um, reward and, uh, encourage and foster curiosity. Cause that's like the only, you know, being, a fairly privileged person in my life and like generally privileged like i don't think i've got any good philosophy on life other than the fact that i think curiosity is mostly good and so i just try to encourage and reward curiosity so people are going to be a little more curious outside of the art world and in their everyday lives so that's my whole spiel right there i just gave you the yeah, spiel was, of me i love um, it and i think that's i think that's really well said and one thing I think w one important part is like, you know, sometimes like playing music or, or doing something like that can seem challenging, therefore scary and not something someone wants to do. So to have it as interactive, like you've been describing it and making it so everyone can just get curious and grow from that curiosity, I think is really cool and powerful. Yeah, like, you know, a long time ago, I realized like, oh, anything I try to do conceptually, like I have concepts in a lot of my artwork, but I just don't like we all are too we've all we're all individuals who have all come from different backgrounds different um different life situations different experiences so to expect somebody to a get what i'm saying and b like relate to it seems like a really big ask of anyone so like instead it's like oh how about you bring the meaning or the concepts or whatever like works for you. And I'll just make these curious situations that I feel have value and have that aspect of like play and exploration. So somebody can explore and make music or make visuals or make other things through exploration, play and curiosity. Um, because yeah, I don't have any, like I said, I've got no good philosophies on life that work for anybody other than me because I've only seen the world through my filter. Well, I think that itself is a great philosophy for. Like, oh yeah, and that works really well for me. Yeah. But I, I, I'm, I don't think I can shove it on every human being in the world. So yeah, that's, awesome. that's so through my I art, I just want to like get people to be curious, and that's that's what matters to me. Beautiful. Um, and where can someone find your uh, your past works or outside of um, Room Select? Where can people see? 
what you're up to? Um, so in person, I have I end up having things a lot of like um, public, more public spaces. So the Children's Museum of Pittsburgh, um, I've got a few artworks up there, interactive touch projection kind of stuff. Um, at, at usually around like the Pittsburgh area, you'll find things of mine. The children's hospitals, I get a lot of like children's hospital, like places for like children's and families. Not because I'm really an artist for those things, but because exploration and curiosity is my jam. Like. Yeah people are that's like it just fits there really well um online there's owenlowry.com that's l-o-w-e-r-y um and that's where like this is my website or i have an instagram it's o as in owen b as in brian lowry l-o-w-e-r-y that's my instagram ob lowry it's not o blow even though many of my friends will say oh what's up o blow now because of that but yeah, um, those are like places that they can find my work. Um, I'll have, yeah, if they come to rooms to let, I'll have my digital gumballs out, which are just, instead of cards, I make these, I have a gumball machine and it's free and you can get this little slip of paper that has my information, but it also has like a code on it that you can put into a website and it will make a one of a kind piece of generative digital art that you own because that little piece of paper with my info is also a certificate of authenticity and i just dropped a screw while talking to you and it's very small and hard to find on my floor well owen on that note thank you so much for taking time i'm very excited to meet you man this sounds like a really cool uh, yeah. cool exhibit and good luck finding that screw <laughs> i got it i got it and hey. i'm screwing it in perfect it all what was your well. name one more time my name's dave thank you dave appreciation i hope everything keeps i hope everything goes well with talking to people because talk like reaching artists is like wrangling meerkats not just cats but cats that hide <laughs> underground but are like really cool looking but also <laughs> elusive <laughs> well said <laughs> definitely it's been that so far but you have you've uh brought uh, more energy my way i'm ready to take on more of them so on that note <laughs> right. i'll see you when you're in ohio my friend all right be safe be sound i'll see you around yeah, thanks so much. peace all right, you're listening to 93.9 WRTL, The Bug. That was an installation of our frantic interview series. Stay tuned for more. All right, Zig from Zig at the Gig. You're listening to 93.9 WRTL, The Bug. Here at Room Select, inspiration can be found anywhere. We're going to take a moment to learn about one of our artists with our frantic interview series recorded out of the bowels of the smoke-surrounded van. Here is Jess from Visitors. Yeah, I am Jess Sheeran, and I'm going to be um, doing, like, the landing space in the Deco building, that um, old historic building in Slavic Village. Uh, my installation is called The Visitors. Yeah, it's, so I'm going to be setting up kind of like a like a dining room table scene um, where these very, very interesting and elaborate creatures, um, I'm a creature maker, um, will be sitting around a table, um, hanging out, doing whatever. Um, you know, I'm still kind of finalizing some of the details and some of the features on these creatures, but they're going to be in there and you can walk around, you can interact with them, you can make up your story, um, you know, what goes along, what they're doing. Um yeah, I'm still sort of planning everything, but that's that's the general idea. You'll be able to to definitely walk around and see them in person. Very cool. I think. Did you were you there before? I think I remember seeing like some type of uh, like are they, they big creature statues, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Last year I did a big green one. Okay, cool. And uh, so, what what influenced you to make that type of uh, that type of art, or how did that become your medium? 
Well, I've been doing like little handheld creatures as my full-time job, like little stuffed animals for a long time. And I'm trying to get into the installation world and work on a bigger scale. And Room Sled is the perfect outlet for that for me. Very cool. And where can someone find your work now outside of Room Sled? Um, right now I do wholesale pretty much exclusively. I switched to wholesale, so I'm only doing like I have one customer. They're they're huge though. It's um Meowl, the entertainment company. Um so you can find my critters, they're called cool critters, um, in the gift shop in Santa Fe there. So I've been switching to wholesale and that's been working out really well for me. Um, but I also like branching out and doing bigger installation work and just huge creatures because I'm kind of obsessed with that. That's awesome. It was it. Is this something like? Were you into like making puppets or something like? Or was there sculpting like in your education that really kind of brought out like this like in, interest in with with your own avenue for it? Or did you know someone you know, was around you? No, the, the, you know people ask me that a lot, and I really don't know where the inspiration came from. Um, like I, I bought a sewing machine, and I just remember like altering clothes in college, um, learning to do that. Um, and I also came into, I know, a bag of like just fur scraps from somebody or they were cheap or something. And I made my first little stuffy and like I kept on working with fur. So I got better at working with fur. So I think I'm better at working with fur than I am easier fabrics. And most people would say the opposite. Well, Jess, thank you so much for chatting with me really quickly. Um, oh, yeah. One more time, where can everyone find your exhibit at Rooms Lit? Um, oh, I don't know the name of the building. It's not coming to memory yet, but there's only two buildings. It's the building um, with the more more artists will be in the building. Um, it's uh, the old Art Deco building. Awesome. Cool. Well, I look forward to seeing it, and I appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks so much. All right, you're listening to 93.9 WRTL, The Bug. That was an installation of our frantic interview series. Stay tuned for more. All right, Zig from Zig at the Gig. You're listening to 93.9 WRTL, The Bug. Here at Room Select, inspiration can be found anywhere. We're going to take a moment to learn about one of our artists with our frantic interview series. Up next, we have Meryl Engler. Well, my name is Meryl, and I am an artist that's working primarily in woodcut and printmaking, works on paper. I will be in the on the second floor of the main building that this year's Rooms to Let is happening, and I have one of the front spaces. It's quite a large space, and I will be kind of making, I guess I could say, like a meditation slash contemplative area through like abstract art. Um, I'm really inspired by the Roscoe Chapel for this project. So I have large abstract pieces and I will have some pieces that will be lying flat on this giant table that was already located in the room. And it kind of acts a little bit like a reflecting pool Mm. in a way. There are these big carved wood panels so it's the same kind of technique that i would use to carve the woodcut except i just painted the panels themselves that sounds awesome it's interesting (laughs) like uh the kind of abstractness that kind of like brings that mindful or kind of like thought provoking like headspace you know yeah (laughs) i think because 
I don't the viewer isn't necessarily looking at something that they can easily recognize. It allows kind of more imagination or some like imaginative thoughtfulness to happen. Mm-hmm. And I really love the use of reflecting pools in like Islamic architecture because you have all of those patterns being used and they're reflecting like in the pool. So it creates this really interesting, not exactly figure ground relationship, but like building ground relationship. Mm. And I'm really inspired by that and those patterns and the looking down and having a space to kind of wander in your mind. Yeah. It's, it's also interesting too, that like a reflecting ponds, kind of like a, a natural thing. Water is a natural thing, kind of reflecting something that is, like made human made in it but it's it's almost like in the same way like when you look at nature it doesn't have to mean anything but it could also mean everything yeah i i I love the use of pattern to implement like or indicate space and spatial awareness because it it is flat but having some sort of like abstract pattern kind of creates depth in that flatness to me and I think that that's really a fun thing to try to figure out one day I will figure out how to do an actual reflecting pool in a gallery but that day has not yeah. come yet yet <laughs> that's being the keyword yet being the keyword yeah. is this is, yeah. is this um so like as far as your creative journey has it always been kind of more this mindful like thoughtful like art that's inspired you um Yeah, I would say working, I don't work as abstractly as I used to. And a lot of the pieces that I'm using for this installation are kind of repurposed from older work and but showing it in a new context and in a completely new installation setting and in a new way, which is always kind of exciting for me. But I am working, I get, I would say less abstractly, but I think that pattern and abstract elements really play an important role in my work because it, it adds a level, I would say like almost like magical realism where it takes it, it takes a piece, even if the piece is a realistic depiction of something, it kind of like takes it out of the, this is just a copy of something happening in real life to me, or it adds like a level of specialness. Mm. Um, so I've been using patterns and kind of abstract elements in my work for a really long time. It was definitely a very freeing for me. I, I, I had been at a point in my like artistic life in grad school when I, I couldn't be bothered to draw and worry about proportion and worry about like does it look right or anything and and working abstractly kind of freed me from those limitations Mm. and helped me push through I don't know if it was like art block or something it just helped me work at the speed and the the like gesturalness that I needed at the time and that has definitely kind of stayed with me it's interesting because, like, we learn all these, like, structures and formats and things of how, like, methodology, methodologies of how to make something and how to, like, properly kind of reflect a statement. If it's written, if it's mm-hmm. played, or if it's, 
or painted or whatever it is, there's an exception of this looks like I, I made a truck and it looks exactly like it. But it's almost like the mastering of the expression comes after like being able to do that so like so easily or not not easily, but with plenty of time and painstakingly. Uh, yeah. Um, but after <laughs> after hours of, of and years of learning that skill, it's interesting that the true expression kind of comes when you can kind of murk the waters, so to say, and like represent mm-hmm. a truck in a way, but like knowing these rules and then doing everything you know how to breaking these rules intentionally. Yeah, definitely. And I think that like at certain points in, in our lives when maybe it's something is more like emotional or um, like energetic, just movement and like forms that come from movement are a really good way to kind of get that out instead of thinking of an object or like a realistic imagery or something like that. So I will say that like I, my work, my, my most recent work is moving a little bit more towards like figurative, but with the abstract elements, with the use of patterns, really trying to capture certain like magical contemplative moments but it definitely comes from that time when I was working purely abstract and with pattern so I think that it's interesting doing an installation in a space like this because it almost merges the two together because I create the installation and then people inhabit it yeah and that's kind of what I'm working with now so it's kind of a fun way to to look at that and think about it well, I'm excited. I'm excited to see your work. Um, is there anywhere people can look up uh, where, you, like, your current, like, other projects you're working on and stuff you've done in the past? Yeah, um, I have an Instagram, and it's uh, Meryl E underscore Art. So M E R Y L E underscore A R T is my Instagram handle. Um, I also have a website that is uh, sorely out of date. <laughs> I really need to update that. Um, but it's it's MerylEngler.Wixsite.com. And I'll probably have like a signage at the show as well. Um, but the, the Instagram is kind of where I've been posting my, my process videos and my newest works. So that that's the fun one to follow. I try. <laughs> yeah, the websites, the websites always take like an extra, it, it, at least when I do it, it takes like, you got to sit down and do it. It's like, you can't just yeah. post it as you're going. Do it on the fly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You're listening to 93.9 WRTL, The Bug. That was another installation of our Frantic Artist interviews. Stay tuned for more. All right, Zig from Zig at the Gig. You're listening to 93.9 WRTL, The Bug. Here at Room Select, inspiration can be found anywhere. We're going to take a moment to learn about one of our artists with our frantic interview series. Up next, we talk to Mary Deffer. My name is Mary Deffer. I am an artist and photographer. I'm based in Lakewood, Ohio. Um, I work primarily with analog photographic processes. And for Rooms to Let this year, I'll be in the Genota building on the first floor. Um, My installation is 
of lumens. And so lumens are analog photographic prints that I make using darkroom photo paper that's light sensitive. Then I lay plants on top of that paper and I expose it to light. Um, so I'm sourcing all of the plant material from Slavic Village. I've been walking around and finding some things like on the side of the road, on the side of the bike path there. And I've also partnered with a number of community members um, who have donated clippings from their own gardens and yards. Um, lumens are pretty unique in that I'm using mostly black and white photo paper. And even though it's black and white, once I expose it to the sun, um, all these colors emerge. So hmm. blue, peaches, purples, pinks. Um, and so it's unique in that way. And then they are also unique because the colors, um, if I fix the images, which is immersive in photo fixer um, to make them permanent, all the colors fade away. So my installation is composed of digital reproductions of the original colorful lumens. And then I'll also have some originals interspersed with the reproductions and the originals will shift throughout the weekend since they'll be continually exposed to light. Wow. So it's a really temporary. That's how did you come across this process? Um, so I love looking into analog photo processes and there are so many different like approaches that you can take. And I, I heard about this process, I think back in college um, and didn't ever experiment with it until last summer. And I got like pretty interested in making them and then had this idea to do it for Rooms to Let. That's cool. Like I, I did a, I did a, a photography in in high school, and like, it's such an interesting process because it, it it's it's so like beyond what you think it is as a kid. And you're like, ah, oh, just take a picture. Yeah. And and now for most kids, it's going to be a completely different experience unless they dive into the the analog realm of it. Um, but what's I, another thing I'd be interested in, like, through gathering these uh, different um, plants and like. Uh, from Slavic Village, have you noticed, like, I don't know how far you are into the, into the uh, developing everything, but have you noticed a pattern of specific colors that these plants make? Um, so it's been a real range. Um, I'm also using a variety of paper, too. Okay. Um, some of the paper is expired, um, and some of the paper is like fogged, so that mm. means it's been like accidentally exposed to light, um, and you wouldn't be able to use it like to make a crisp print in the dark room. Um, so the variety of papers have really been giving um, a variety of colors. Um, it's been interesting, I think, in just the range of plants that I have been able to get. Um, people have been really generous and have given me like a lot of different varieties to work with, which has been really exciting. Is it like it'd be, uh, does the, this might be a deeper question, does the plant <laughs> life kind of represent what you're seeing in, in Slavic Village in like maybe, or maybe on a grander scale, what Room Zillette kind of brings? Um, so I think it's kind of like, um, 
I guess there are certain plants like that are native to North or I think they're native. I'm not sure actually if mulberry is like um, native per se to Northeast Ohio, but there are certain plants that I've gotten that are like things you would see just walking around the neighborhood. Um, but then some of the other plants I've gotten are a little bit more um, maybe not as native um, to Northeast Ohio or to Slavic Village, I guess. Um, does that answer the question? Well, uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, with like kind of the process of putting these plants through this development and seeing what they kind of like, uh, what they create, does that kind of represent, I guess, your experience of, I guess, gathering these plants and like meeting these people? Like, does the, the blade of grass look more beautiful when you see it through this different light, I guess, is what I was curious oh, okay. to see if you noticed. Yeah, I think it's really, like, the process is pretty magical and transformative, as you were saying. Um, even really outwardly, like, super simple clippings um, that may not be as visually interesting um, when you're just checking them out, like, in real life, um, are kind of transformed into these ephemeral, otherworldly versions of themselves. Um, and I think kind of the nature of the prints being ephemeral in that, like, they're going to keep shifting if they're exposed to light. Um, that ephemerality kind of itself mirrors, like, sometimes the uncertain um, futures of buildings in Slavic Village as well. I think that's I think that's a beautiful comparison. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Um, like, Thanks. did it, is this something you got into like in like before before diving head first into it as a career? Is this something you kind of dove into as high school in high school as well, or is this something you found later? Um. So, do you mean like the lumen process or, or analog photography? Analog, analog photography. Okay. Um, so I, I also am an educator. I work at a high school um, in the main office and I teach workshops through the Cleveland Print Room too, which is a community darkroom in the area. Um, and I really, I didn't get into analog until I was in college. Like my high school had a darkroom and I was always really interested in wanting to learn analog photography. Um, but my schedule never worked out for me to take that darkroom class at high, at the high school level. Um, so when I went into college, I hadn't like, I went to a liberal arts school and I hadn't declared a major when I started, but I knew like first class I wanted to enroll in was a darkroom photo class. And I was finally able to get in there and it was just so fun and amazing and i've been hooked ever since that's awesome and you said you said um as outside of uh rooms to let uh you're located in lakewood or, yep is, i am okay and is that where we can is that uh i guess or let me rephrase that where can everyone go to find your work outside of rooms to let and current projects or, or future projects yeah um, so, as I said, I do a lot of work with the Cleveland Print Room. Um, I am a teaching artist, so I do occasional workshops there. 
Um, next year, I'll have a, um, along with three other photographers, we will have a show um, through the print room. So that'll happen in 2024. Um, and then I also, I guess, do you, would you want me to share like social media, like that sort of thing too? Yeah. Yeah. If you have like a okay. site or if you, if you prefer like Instagram or Facebook. Yeah. Um, so my art website is maryduffer.com. So my name, um, M-A-R-Y, and then my last name, D-E-F-E-R.com. And my Instagram page is at Mary underscore Duffer, D-E-F-E-R. Awesome. Awesome, Mary. Well, thank you so much for chatting me with a bit uh, for a bit. And I really, I really think that's a cool exhibit. I'm excited to see it. Thank you so much, Dave. I haven't... All right, you're listening to 93.9 WRTL, The Bug. That was another installation of our Frantic Artist interviews. Stay tuned for more. All right, Zig from Zig at the Gig. You're listening to 93.9 WRTL, The Bug. Here at Room Select, inspiration can be found anywhere. We're going to take a moment to learn about one of our artists with our frantic interview series. Up next, we're going to talk to Eric about what peace looks like. Yeah, my name is Eric Takwakala. Uh, the name of the exhibit is What Does Peace Look Like? I was commissioned by uh, Cleveland Peace Action uh, to do the work of art. And I'm sorry, I don't know the that's all the good. building that it's in. Oh, sure. Yeah, it's a sculpture. It's a sculpture um, for the most part, and there'll be some wall pieces. Um, in essence, what I'm what I've done was taken um, artwork um, that was inspired by um, uh, students from uh, Lincoln West High High School. Some some of the uh, refugee students that go to Lincoln West High School. Um, some of my interviews with them um, were um, that was given to the uh, students in the digital photography class. They produced works based on what those interviews and and my involvement in in this is to take those works of art and 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 put them into a framework. So they'll be for the most part photos that'll be laminated onto a sculpture um, Very for cool. my piece. Yeah. It's inter um how long like through kind of going through all those like examples of peace and what peace means to bring, uh to all these people, what's your kind of takeaway? Uh, well the takeaway for the most part is um just with talking most of the kids that I talked to, uh the refugees, uh they were born in refugee camps in, in Africa and Tanzania and Congo. Um to them what they started First off, they talked about food, um, that there was a lot of food insecurity in the camps. Um, so, so abundance of food, secure housing, um, educational opportunities, especially for the girls, educational opportunities for the girls. And when I put that to the kids in the digital photography class, what they came up with really uh, normal, exuberant happy life that they have here in this country. I, when I started out wow. thinking about this project, yeah. I thought, you know, when uh, Cleveland Peace Action basically gave me a blank slate and I thought, well, how, how can I really know peace if, 
if I've really know, not known war. And, and in this country, most of us really haven't um, ex- experienced war on our shores in our country. So that's what, um, that's why I went to the, um, to these refugees because they did know, even if they weren't in the wars themselves, like I said, their parents, um, had stories and, and their parents were separated from their original countries, uh, living in, in, uh, refugee camps for 10, 20 years. Um, so it, it kind of affected me when I heard those stories and that's why I wrapped it into this piece. That's beautiful. I can't, it's, it's, it's crazy to think like what they describe as peace is kind of like every day, you know, just enough food, enough, you know, that's really moving. Very cool. Um, Yeah. Well, Hey man, thank you so much for chatting me uh, for a little bit. Um, Is there anywhere else anyone listening can find other work or future work you're going to do? Right off the top of my head, I don't have any in the works right now. Well, no, I'm sorry. I take that back. I have a piece Aha. at Pinwheel Gallery. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> a piece at Pinwheel or two pieces at Pinwheel Gallery right now. They're showing. Uh, they will show until um, late August or September. I have an opening. Actually, it will be at July 15th. And that's in Cincinnati. Uh, a piece of sculpture down there at the PAR Projects. Uh, actually just dropped that piece off uh, yesterday. So that'll be open also into September. Awesome. And do you have a website? I do. Yeah, it's uh, erictuckmccullough.com. There's no hyphen in there. Um, And that's my website. Awesome. All right, you're listening to 93.9 WRTL, The Bug. That was another installation of our Frantic Artist interviews. Stay tuned for more. All right, Zig from Zig at the Gig. You're listening to 93.9 WRTL, The Bug. Here at Room Select, inspiration can be found anywhere. We're going to take a moment to learn about one of our artists with our frantic interview series. Up next, we talk to Kara Catano. Okay, my name is Kara Catano. I'm a mixed media artist and photographer living in Cleveland. And the piece that I have created came about from some research I was doing about Slavic Village when I found out about Rooms to Let. I started researching the history of the area and I found this really great photo from the early 1900s of a main street in Slavic Village. And what I envisioned was kind of like its heyday. There were all these businesses open and people walking down the street and just kind of bustling city streets of the time. And I really liked the image. A lot of the work I do is in um, a Victorian style anyway. So it really resonated with me that time period. And so I wanted to recreate that scene kind of what I envision it to be, not not identical, but with some of my own mixed media pieces in a street level storefront window. And I was actually fortunate and they gave me three very large windows. And so what I am making is, like I said, kind of a recreation of a busy city, or let me back up for a second, if you can cut that part out. What I'm recreating is what people from the time would have looked like you know, on a city street in that, in that period in the neighborhood. And I I, um, print out the images and then I stain them, I paint them, I kind of age them. So they're appropriate to the time anyway. And yeah, I'll be affixing them to the window and viewers can see them from the outside. And 
kind of transport themselves back to, you know, what the street might have looked like back then. That's really cool. It's 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 interesting. Um, my uh, my girlfriend works at the library, so we get to look at some of the old photos of Cleveland and like kind of see like that transform, uh, like that like transformation of one thing being like either super busy and super bumping to like the opposite. And it's it's kind of a weird duality to step in and out of that like time being on a street that's completely empty, or vice versa, completely packed when it wasn't. You know. Absolutely, yeah. And that, that was kind of my thought because I, I know that I have a sense that Slavic Village is really growing and there's a lot of development, um, you know, on deck for the future. But when I saw this picture and I just thought of it now, there's just such a difference in, um, you know, just the neighborhood. And so, yeah, uh, it, like I said, it resonated with me and I wanted to recreate that. So. So was photography always your medium or is this something you kind of grew into? Photography is my main one. I've been doing that since high school, actually. But mixed media is something I probably started more in college. Mm. And so I incorporated it in my work here and there. But for this piece, I'm doing only mixed media. Awesome. And lastly, uh, do you have any future uh, projects coming up in, or past projects that we can see? And if so, do you have a website or a plug for the next event? Let's see. I actually have an opening the night before Rooms to Let in Pittsburgh. Nice. <laughs> so, all right. So uh, my Pittsburgh confusion wasn't too far off. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Not at all. Um, so nothing on deck after that. I do teach at the Cleveland Print Room, though, and I have my own Instagram page and one for my my teaching business that I do on my own. And at, mine is Kara Mia Photo. And my teaching business one is Ethereal Aperture Photo. And I did give those to Lynn. So if they, if they need spelled out or anything, it's an in info. Perfect. Awesome. Yeah. All right. You're listening to 93.9 WRTL The Bug. That was another installation of our Frantic Artist interviews. Stay tuned for more. I heard you to just dive full immerse into a geometric room basically oh man uh <laughs> or at least well, that style of a uh, of art sure sure yeah it's kind of like what if i'm given uh anything to use to paint or draw with like it's just kind of what flows out of me uh geometry and um patterns you know i feel like it's just stuff i've been drawing since i was a kid and you know would spend time in at school in class you know taking um <laughs> stirring like while the teacher's teaching would just be throwing down these patterns in my notebooks and just filling notebooks with them basically and kind of just never it's been kind of it's just like an obsession i guess i'd say it's really enjoyable for me and um just infinite basically um so i this has been an experiment for me i've never really um gotten to fill a whole entire room like wall all the walls and the, the floor uh, i didn't do the ceiling but i put cardboard on the floors and um uh throw it so working on the floor right now as well um and oh, what else was i gonna say on that oh just that like um yeah yeah it just kind of uh is uh my style i guess basically it's very geometric i guess yeah that's awesome do you mm -hmm. like I imagine doing that. There's kind of like a the 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 doing of making the pattern. There's like a kind of like a 
almost I'd imagine like Zen like state, like a kind of focus on one thing and just seeing it expand. Do you like mm-hmm. kind of is that the is that your experience? And when you look at a work that's done, is it kind of that same emotional or same kind of space you get into? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I definitely consider painting painting for me for sure. It's like it's like spiritual practice, kind of. It's very meditative for me, and um, you know, yeah, yeah, I can you know get into that kind of flow like state. Um, uh, I mean, I guess it depends too. I mean, if there's people there with me, you know, it's a different experience of trying to <laughs> focus on the paint at the in the brush while also talking to somebody but usually when i mean when i'm painting in the solitude by myself like it definitely is a very um uh very groovy yeah groovy experience i'd say yeah definitely just like receiving a lot of um uh calm feelings equanimity you know um yeah yeah definitely boost boost my vibes for sure (laughs) so like i only hope that people that experience and see my my work too and like look at it um also feel some some good vibey feelings as well you know definitely awesome man well thank you so much for chatting with me for a bit and i look forward to seeing your exhibit at rooms to let no no worries thanks for having me uh this this was very fun and super easy that was so so uh so chill that was a blast thanks <laughs> you got it all right you're listening to 93.9 wrtl the bug that was an installation of our frantic interview series stay tuned for more All right, Zig from Zig at the Gig. You're listening to 93.9 WRTL, The Bug. Here at Room Select, inspiration can be found anywhere. We're going to take a moment to learn about one of our artists with our frantic interview series. Up next, we talk to the artist behind Greater Purpose Acquired. My name is Stephanie Stewart. And I'm Kyla Decatur. And, and we're we are P31 Art and Design. Whoa. We are partnering with um, Rooms to Let to bring you an interactive art piece that addresses this is the concerns of creativity and individuality within the classroom. Where um, we are located on the second floor in room 2K. Um, yeah, so we are, um, well, I'll let our paper maker tell you, Kyla. Okay. Um, so we, our public art piece um, is in, or it incorporates a four, six foot um, handmade pieces of paper um, with a poem um, just expressing um, the creativity um, of success. Yeah, the creativity of success and um, we know the suppression of creativity in the school, um, in the schools. And we are um, using, we're drawing inspiration from the um, Herman Melville uh, quote, it is better to fail in originality than to succeed in imitation. That's well said. Um, Is this like, I mean, and this is interesting because this is as anyone who does anything creative, which is everybody to some degree and in some aspects of your life, um, it's hard to and I notice I work with kids as well, and I notice it a lot with kids now. It's really hard to do something and fail at it. It's really hard for people to not get something right away. So that skill set and that uh, the praising to that kind of like a 
or not praising, practicing that that failure of uh, that the practice of failure of doing something, maybe not landing it, but growing from that. It's such an important thing, and it's that's a huge part of the creative process. And like, in some degrees, like eventually helps us determine what we deter uh, what we define as success. So I think that's a super empower, uh, impactful uh, project to partake to uh, to dive into. Is this like? Can you talk a little bit about your guys's journey with that? Was that something that kind of came easy to you? Because some people are just really good at just doing them and messing up until they get it right, and some don't have that same experience. Well, um, actually, we um, created our company. It's a COVID company, mm-hmm. um, and so we created our company. Um, during the year 2020 where Kyle, um, she was actually coming out of high school and we're like, oh my goodness, what's next? Um, and Kyla actually takes on an unconventional way of learning where she's more hands-on and was, um, she, like most high school graduates, um, you kind of go through a young adult like period where you're like, okay, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, where I'm supposed to go. Some people have it all figured out and some people just don't. And she has always been an artist at heart. Um, And so together we were able to create this company where we can kind of hone in on and give her time and space to figure out, okay, what kind of adult do I want to be? And where do I want to um, place my expertise and my creativity like where can I put that in the world and so with that that's why we have like our art project focuses um in the classroom because that was something that um as her parent and now business partner, um, I kind of realized that she was struggling with because the school's telling you, okay, if you do A, B, and C and you walk this path, you're going to be successful. But what about those students that are walking kind of off the beaten path and they are cutting through the forest a little bit? Um, How come they're not stamped as successful? And so that's what we built our company on and that's what we've decided um, to do our project on. That, that one, it's 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 a really interesting like lane because you're right. A lot of a lot of if you're doing everything right, you're gonna get it. You know, you're gonna do great. But, yep. But uh, all the people that usually you find studying did something off the beaten path. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Even that Robert Frost poems about that. You know what I mean? Like all yes. these, all these people we kind of learn from. But it's it's interesting how how it's not as uh, it's not as celebrated or it's not as in- encouraged or enriched to to stray from what everyone else is doing. Our history as Americans uh, is just that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like America wouldn't be here if we didn't have the Revolutionary War and we were like, yeah, let's, you know, we demand this and we want to be different than the world. And that's kind of what we have built our... Um, our government on and our, you know, our social uh, viewpoints and aspects and just everything, the whole climate of America is built on being that individual and all at the same time, it's challenged because we're, you know, how much of an individual can we be? Um, 
And so our school system even is built off of that just with the Common Core new math and new you know, ways of writing a simple sentence. Um, it's challenging. And so it's something that we need to bring attention to. Yeah, um, it was my um, going to school. Um, I went to like early college, so I was a high school student and a college student. So I kind of got the best of both worlds when it came to um, just being a regular, regular high school student and um, trying to figure out what I wanted to do and in college and how to balance um, just passing, you know, like ethics and those tricky classes that kind of make you want to think outside of the box. Um, and that's kind of when I realized that I, um, I wasn't like, I wasn't a regular student. Mm -hmm. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. It's <laughs> um, but that's kind of when I realized that I wasn't a regular student um, and that I um, needed to just learn in a different way and in, in a different environment than um, the average classes that you see now. Um, and that's why this piece is so important to me because I want to um, just show the older people and the younger people who still might not know what they want to do with life um, and just encourage them to know that it is okay to embrace their creativity. Um, no matter what stage of life you're in, if you don't have a college degree, that is okay. Figure out what you love to do and then succeed. Find um, what it means to be successful in your own words. I think that's really well said. And you you guys are super inspiring. Uh, that That's so cool. That's so cool you can both dive into this as and come up with this uh, company together. That's a really cool relationship to have with um, parent and child, and I'm really excited to see this exhibit. So thank you guys so much for chatting with me for a little bit. Hey, thank you. Thanks for putting up with our background noise. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you have good editing software. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we can always feature dogs. They're fine. <laughs> All right, you're listening to 93.9 WRTL, The Bug. That was another installation of our Frantic Artist interviews. Stay tuned for more. All right, Zig from Zig at the Gig. You're listening to 93.9 WRTL, The Bug. Here at Room Select, inspiration can be found anywhere. We're going to take a moment to learn about one of our artists with our frantic interview series. Up next, Brian and Emily of Soldier Village. Hello, my name is Emily Lipto. I'm Brian Schultes. And we are half of Sojourn. Um, our other collaborators are Bob Drake, who's a local improvising musician and composer, and Chrissy Martin, who is a movement a movement and sound artist um the brian christy and i have been in a contact improvisation dance practice for this past year and that's where our project come from from our um yeah ooh. <laughs> we got the people we got the people that's, that's the good stuff okay and uh ex so exactly what are you guys doing for rooms lit. Like, is it a performance? Is it interactive? It is a performance, and it will be kind of lightly interactive, I would say. Um, 
we'll be improvising durationally. We, we haven't figured out exactly the hours, if it's going to be all the time or if in, in long chunks, but improvising together with movement and sound um, and inviting people to come in and, and share the space with us and uh, possibly to have the opportunity to, through writing or drawing or maybe photography, we have to figure some of this out, to chronicle or share some of what they're seeing in the time that, that they spend in there. So Chrissy, Brian and I are, um, we met through Contact Improvisation, um, which is a, a dance form that it is what it sounds like. That's um, it involves contact with other people, with other bodies, and it's an improvised form. And so it involves a lot of listening with our bodies uh, to sensation and to allow that to direct our our dance. Um, so without going into it with a lot of you know preset things, we're really listening in the moment to um, how our bodies are interacting. It involves, like I said, a lot of listening. It also can um, involve weight sharing. So we'll be uh, lifting each other's bodies or rolling on top of each other um, and also connecting to the space physically. Um, and that's been a part of our practice in connecting to the the Genota building, which we'll be in. So the old insurance building at room um, that's a part of Rooms to Let this year. And we are in on the first floor and have been getting to know the space, the ground, the walls, cleaning it up and, and bringing our dance practice uh, into the space. So when when kind of going into a more improvised like uh, act of any sort, like is like is this kind of an evolution of your own like practice dance practices, like building up to this? Because like I, I, I kind of feel like because I, I I do music, and it took me uh, it takes you kind of a long time just to be able to let go in a way, and there's like such like an ego like not ego like oh I can do this but like mental like ego that you work on like certain forms and movements and whatever it may be um, for so long that when it comes to just dropping them it's I I think a much more difficult thing because you've practiced how to how to say certain phrases or or paint cer with certain colors. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think contact improvisation is, is a practice that each of us individually have been working on for a number of years. Uh, um, and I think kind of, as you said, having this relationship between building up a kind of familiarity with the physical language mm -hmm. that it involves, but also a comfort in just letting that go and responding to what happens in the moment. And then the, the three of us, um, Emily, Chrissy and I started dancing together in January. And I think kind of independently from our own individual experiences with contact improvisation, that has become its kind of own thing where we're exploring uh, where we're going as, as a trio um, and seeing that evolve over time mm -hmm. as, as we improvise together. And within improvisation, 
um, like dance or music, you can hear about scores and that um, could be seen as sometimes an overarching structure or some kind of intention behind the improvisation. And with the, the three of us in moving together these past uh, this past half a year, have we have developed things that we tend to do or things that we like to do. And um, there is some kind of, we can relax into like the moment knowing that something might happen, it might not, but we will likely um, find different patterns um, throughout our practice. And, and so that's, I know for me has helped me um, just be more present with, with what's happening and not try to force something mm. in particular particular to happen um when we're dancing no I, I think that's really good advice because like if you're if you're trying to force it usually you, it biffs you know what i mean usually you kind of you kind of miss the thing or you're trying too hard and it doesn't come out right but when it's like when you're in that state and like you're not thinking about it and everything's just right you know but usually that's practice like it's not the show it's mm -hmm. <laughs> like um yeah yeah we're all we're definitely all um like committed to our process and so i mean we're really excited to perform and also like we know that all of our the practice that we've been doing for these past few months are, are all a part of it and we kind of we carry that into us um and it's kind of exciting about doing durational where we'll have many hours to to be in that space together so um something interesting will happen <laughs> <laughs> that will for sure um I guess one other just like last maybe piece of advice for like anyone in like any field, like as far as diving into just letting go for improv, do you like, uh, do you remember maybe like your first time kind of feeling that freeness from it and being like, this is what I want to embrace more of? And like, I guess, I, I guess my question would be like, what would your advice be to someone who's trying to like find that courage to let go? Sorry, it's kind of a tough one, I know. Yeah, we're, a great question. We're, we're chewing on it. <laughs> I think, especially if the feeling is kind of unfamiliar, um, it's a little bit... I mean, this is kind of like our answer to the last question, but it, it's not something you can force um, and just say, I'm going to let go now. <laughs> um, that if you're in some kind of practice, whether that's a musical improvisation practice, whether it's a dance improvisation practice, like contact improvisation, um, if you do it, eventually, you're going to, it's the letting go is going to find you mm. some way or another. Mm -hmm. uh, and you'll realize that it's happened. Mm. And I also feel part of that feels like community. And with contact improv, that's really important because while you can do some parts of contact improvisation by yourself, a huge part of it is dancing with other bodies and so there becomes a point where you can't help it but to let go if you actually want to dance with someone um and just thinking of in different jam spaces whether dance or 
music where it's with other people that together you find whether it's some kind of groove or some kind of falling apart and coming together that um, we kind of learn from each other and create an environment that can nurture maybe uh, the vulnerability that comes with letting go. I th and I think that's I think that's a key part is nurturing that vulnerability. Like I, I think it's definitely something that it's a it's a practice that it becomes becomes you can get into that that space quicker. And like I think what you guys said was really well said. Um, and I really appreciate you guys uh, chatting with me for a little bit. Um, All right, you're listening to 93.9 WRTL The Bug. That was another installation of our frantic artist interviews. Stay tuned for more. Zig from Zig at the Gig. You're listening to 93.9 WRTL The Bug. Here at Room Select, inspiration can be found anywhere. We're going to take a moment to learn about one of our artists with our frantic interview series. All right, up next, Jeanette is going to tell us about her exhibit with wings. Okay, so I, there's four pairs of wings. Um, a pair of dragonfly wings, a pair of bird wings, a pair of butterfly wings, and a pair of bat wings. The idea was... If you wanted to be a flying creature, if you could fly, um, so an infinite number was four. So there's a bird, a you know, dragonfly, butterfly, and just the wings. Mm -hmm. And you can stand behind the wings and think of your picture of you with their. And you pretend to be the Jews. You could be all four if you want. Gotcha. That's cool. That's what a in. I guess to dive in. What do wings mean to you? Oh, just like something that you, would help you live your life as a flying creature. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. And what what kind of drove you to this project? Was there something well, about wings that uh, brought it out? I always wanted to fly. I couldn't understand why I couldn't fly. I mean, when I was five years old, I hurt myself trying to fly like Superman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, because at five, you don't really understand. Well, I didn't understand those things. But I found out quick enough that it doesn't work. <laughs> but I still, even after that, I mean, I understand that, you know, I don't have wings and I can't fly. But in part of my brain says, I should be able to fly. I don't understand. I should be able to just whoosh up. And I still haven't figured that out yet. But this was like, I thought, well, maybe if you could just imagine that would be good enough for the I'm being until we figure out how to just whoosh up, we can do this, and that could be our like intermediate phase. <laughs> I mean, and I think I'm not the only one because a lot of people feel like that. Yeah. I mean, I've told people that I've always wanted to fly, and, and they totally get it. <laughs> I mean, it's not like they look at me like I'm crazy because I, you know, I understand I have to walk on the ground and like that. I'm not delusional. No, but part of me says, why can't I fly? <laughs> well, 
Well, yeah, that's the thing. It's not. It's it's, it's we want to. That'd be sweet. You know what I mean? Like, uh, uh, it makes me think of that. Uh, you ever hear that Guy Clark song called uh, "Never uh, Never Leave Your Cape"? No. It's a it's a song about a kid trying to fly off their garage, but <laughs> like trying to like. <laughs> that's almost like what I did. So you know, maybe I should. I'll go. I'll YouTube it. I'll look it up on the it's a, it's a internet. Good song. It's never okay. Yeah. Awesome. It's probably me when I was five, <laughs> <laughs> except I didn't have a cape. <laughs> <laughs> Original. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people don't understand why they can't fly. I mean, maybe in a past life I was some flying creature, I don't know. But, you know, there's different kinds of flying creatures. Uh, I think always have been for at least min- millennia. I mean, maybe not since the earth first formed but shortly after probably and you know it's just one of those things so as an artist i thought well you know we don't have to be bound by reality totally we can be you know that's part it's sort of a bucket list wanting to fly (laughs) (laughs) but i i don't know if i'll ever actually get to fly I, i guess the museum natural history museum has a machine that will like give you the sensation of being a bird and i haven't been there yet yeah they have some kind of thing virtual reality thing so yeah i I need to get there yeah Yeah. (laughs) i have it's new it's it it only went in this year so i mean like maybe two months ago so i haven't i've been kind of busy so i haven't got to it yet but i figured i was too busy because I don't want to wait in line to do fair, it. Fair, <laughs> so fair. I'm not going to go on a Saturday. Yeah, it's but cool. it's I'm going to go like during the week, probably in September or October, the beginning of the school year before field trips. Just pretend to be whatever, you know, they have. Take off. Because <laughs> I don't, I'm not technically adept enough to make that kind of a machine. I'm an artist. Yeah, I know. That's yeah, that's a next level creation there for sure. There's a yeah. lot. Yeah. Um, but thank you so much. All right, you're listening to 93.9 WRTL The Bug. That was another installation of our frantic artist interviews. Stay tuned for more. All right, Zig from Zig at the Gig. You're listening to 93.9 WRTL, The Bug. Here at Room Select, inspiration can be found anywhere. We're going to take a moment to learn about one of our artists with our frantic interview series. Up next, Jimmy tells us how he's going to bring back the labyrinth. It's the labyrinth, and it's like a like an art networking, art ensemble, and mixture of a lot of different art forms put together in presentation. It harkens back to... What I used to do back in the early 2000s out of my parents' building, and it's going to be done out of the AMS building right here on 55th. So that'll be a nice um, kind of reintroduction of something that some Clevelanders actually remember. But it's great because it also brings forth newer generations, and it and it asks people to be creative. So not only are the artists creative, art creators, but also, audience members are asked to participate as well in the creativity. That sounds awesome. Well, can you explain what you were doing before? Like, 
what I do before. Yeah, well, you said this is bringing it back. So can you explain like a little bit of what it was like before? Yeah, sure. Um, so back, uh, what brought me back to Cleveland was, unfortunately, my dad got sick and he had colon cancer. Mm. And there was a building that we had on East 138th and Harvard that was in our family and I worked in it for several years. But unfortunately, my dad passed away of colon cancer shortly after I came back, after I graduated from grad school at Columbia. And, um, and I knew I did not want to do what my dad did, which was run a corner store and he sold yeah. ice cream. I'm an artist. So I decided like, wow, I was a part of this thing when I was in New York City called Thought Forms Underground. Mm -hmm. And it was a cool like thing on Saturdays last day of each month but it only had performance artists visual artists and interestingly enough culinary artists huh. so my thing was like well what if we took all these different art forms and then i had two apartments above my father's you know corner store and i just opened it all up and that made like 18 to 19 different rooms and i just put different themes in each one and invited all these different cleveland artists to do certain things out of each room and then one room would be all butcher papered up like mm. like what we have here at rooms to let so people could paint draw put words on the wall but i'd also have lead artists that will also encourage people to to paint and what i loved about it is it also inspired you know teachers or just regular everyday people that was like oh my god i'm gonna do the same thing at home I'm going to make a like a cool like room that is just like what I experienced at the labyrinth. And I did it for several years. Unfortunately, I had some repairs done um, that were kind of costly to the building. Mm. Unbeknownst to me, it compromised the foundation. I did a whole arts incubator mm. um, a fundraiser a few years ago. And that's what people actually really know me from a few years ago. And unfortunately, the city of Cleveland, from the work that these construction guys did, they said I had to tear the building down. Oh. And so that hurt my heart. And I've been yeah. kind of off the scene, off the grid for the last two years. I worked at the Cleveland High School for digital arts, teaching film. And my students even said, like, Mr. Woody, you should do your art more. And kind of this is like bringing me back out to, you know, pick up, pick up where I left off and bring us back from honor the past, but also honor the future. I think that's really well said. And that's a super inspiring story about how that, how your family building became the, the means for everyone else to join in and create and kind of build off. I, I teach as well. So it's interesting wow. because like, you you need that kind of like almost open mic night. You're allowed to try something to mess up, but for like, I mean, for music and for comedy and poetry that exists, but for all the other art forms, not really. Right. So when you were describing that, that's kind of like the community I related to as I was building, or uh, that you described your building and like, mm -hmm. and that that's super important. And one thing is just to even be shown that you can do it. You can until you you know until there's a no pressure way to attempt it. So exactly. That, yeah, that's an and it, sorry. Yeah, and what a lot of people I'm sorry. And what a lot of people would say is like, "Oh my god, it doesn't feel like I'm in Cleveland. Like I was doing this 
out of Ward 1 on Lee and Harvard on East 138th and Harvard, but I also put it in other places from time to time. And what was what got to be really cool is, especially when I was out of my father's building, people would just show up naturally mm. on the third Saturday, Saturday of each month without me even having to put out flyers. There would just be people outside my door. <laughs> and what was slick about it is, you know, what I experienced in New York is like New York, you know, you, it stays open all day, all night long. Yeah. And so it got in such a habit that I would not say, okay, everybody's got to leave at two. I would just be like, hey, I'm in my bedroom. Please, like, y'all can leave when y'all want to leave, but just close the door when you leave. <laughs> and I would literally wake up at like nine o'clock in the morning after a long night, and there would still be people in, in my building in, in this labyrinth talking, sharing ideas, because that was a really natural thing that I loved about it is you had people collaborating. You had a visual artist collaborating with a filmmaker or a dancer's collaborating with a DJ. And they're like, oh, my God, I'm meeting my my friend on Instagram or meeting my friend on some social networking platform. I never met him, but we're friends in social network. And so that was really nice. That's so cool. Yeah, that's so cool. And that's so important to take it out of that, like. It's almost like uh, writing something down and saying it, you know, in the digital age is going there and meeting uh, whatever follower and talking about their art with them. And that's that's such a crucial thing to grow as an artist and grow as a creator. And like exactly. And on your end, just let someone be I'm going to bed. I'll see you guys. That's that, that takes a lot of trust and, and support and belief in what you're doing. And yeah. I'm excited to hear that you're bringing it back or not bringing it or, Bringing something yeah, bringing new. it back. Yeah, bringing yeah, something new. Yeah. I want to. I want to phrase mm-hmm. it right. Bringing something new, and oh. um, that's that's super. And and a side question, I think as a as a teacher, if you teach a creative outlet, like I teach music, um, mm. but and I also play music. I, I'm very involved in what I, like the scene and playing and writing and doing the whole bit. And I think that help. It, it's exhausting. It makes me tired all the time. But yeah. it also kind of helps fuel that like. I'm doing like uh, what I'm saying, guys, has merit. I wouldn't just teach you nothing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not only am I saying it, I'm doing it. Right. <laughs> I'm teaching know? you. This is what you need to know if you want to do yeah. it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and the big thing is like what I what I always gleaned out of New York and what what Cleveland does a good bit of. And reason why I really like Rooms to Let is that I always watched certain neighborhoods. Artists would come in there and do really creative things. And then all of a sudden it created a scene and people were hanging out there. And then you just see whole neighborhoods transform. I remember when I first got back here to Cleveland, like, um, what is it? Tremont was not a pleasant place to (laughs) hang out in. You didn't go to Lincoln Park at night. (laughs) (laughs) But now, you know, it's it's really it's they've really regenerated, not regentrified, but they've regenerated that area, you know, and that's and I've always wanted that for um, the Lee Harvard area, which the, that's where my father's building was at, but then also for places like Slavic Village in, in Broadway. And I live on Fleet now, mm-hmm. and I love that. And I'm like, wow, you can just see the potential that this city has, and there's a lot of talent there. I think that's it's incredibly, uh, incredibly like powerful how creation and art and like brings culture into a place that maybe lost culture that was there you know how like how intertwined those two are 
and like yeah. that so and like the networking and the meeting of friends and like the crossing of beams so to say is so important mm -hmm. um yeah because the and in this yeah go ahead i was gonna say mike nights changed my life that's how i was able to oh, wow. make any of my my that's how i got my job as a teacher <laughs> like oh wow mike night you know what i mean Wow. Uh, so, and but that's the crossing of musical beams, like. Mm -hmm. So, sorry, not to cut mm -hmm. you off. What were you gonna say? No, 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 no. You're fine. But uh, just to build off of that, that's even part of my story. I, I was an athlete. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Like that's. I got a full football scholarship. I graduated from Orange High School. Got a full football scholarship at Kent State University. All I knew is I wanted to play football. I wanted to go to NFL, and I never forget. Somebody asking me, like, have you ever thought about anything beyond the NFL? And I literally laughed in their face. And the next day, I broke my forearm. Three oh. weeks later, I tore cartilage in my oh. knee. All this stuff that I thought I was going to do, I had to start thinking twice about it. Yeah. And I just was like, well, what else do I really love doing? And I knew I wanted to be creative. And out of nowhere, kind of some friends put me out on stage. And I'd never been on stage before. And I did this performance and people were like, you're real, you're an actor. And I was like, uh huh? <laughs> and I went from there and think about this. I graduated with an advertising degree from Kent State University. And four months later, I'm going to uh, uh, grad school at Columbia University for acting. Jeez, yeah. Like, like that's a whirlwind. <laughs> yeah, well, the whole thing, the, the breaking of the, you know, the, the damage and the moving from that, mm -hmm. that emotionally yeah. is just a, whirl, a whirlwind enough to, like, get most people stuck. And I think the, that's so cool that you found this and, like, and now are continuing to do that. Mm -hmm. And I pass that on to my students, too. You know, like, you can, there's a life out there. There's not just what you think it is. You just got to sometimes take steps. You got to be courageous. Because sometimes you don't really, you don't know where it's going to land. Right, right. <laughs> you no. just got to have faith. Exactly. And, oh, man. And and just the being <laughs> able to do one thing, mess it up. Yeah, I have a lot of kids I work with that can't. If they can't do it perfect the first time, they're out. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, oh, come on, guys. This is, this, and that's, that's it. That's life, man. You mess it up and you figure out where you're going to go. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like, and I'd say like a. Uh, a, a buddy of mine in the recording industry, he just said something that was really profound a couple of weeks ago. He goes, he's like, I want everybody to fail. Yeah. He's like, I don't want you to be a failure. I just, you need to fail in life in order to grow. And I was like, wow, that was really great. Yeah. And it just, it gave me a lot to think about. Yeah. It's wild. It's one of those things like when it, it's, I, th I think we kind of hear that advice all the time, but once you go through it and once you surpass mm -hmm. it, like maybe, uh, maybe your experience wasn't like seeing it as that, but maybe later looking back, you're like, I guess I did biff that and now I got this. But you know what I mean? Like, it's like when yeah. you're on that ride, it's really hard to like kind of step back. But when you do, it's like, just like you said, it's like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're like, man. And I just, you know, and it's, and I just try to pass that on to kids and, like, you know, and you, you, you work with kids and like, I have some kids that have dealt with trauma mm -hmm. and in trying to give them healthy ways to do it or that anger or that angst or this situation is like, you can be creative. 
Take all that energy, take all that angst and put it into something creative. And then like, sometimes you might be like, oh my God, I was angry as all get up, but this is a really cool, profound piece. Maybe yeah. not for everybody else, but at least for me. Right, right. It's seeing the power within that is really important. Mm -hmm. And like, that's, oh man, I'm excited to, I'm excited to meet you. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> yeah, likewise. <laughs> well, hey, um, thank you so much for chatting with me, my friend. And I'll catch you on the, on the Saturday. Is there okay. any, any other uh, thing uh, that you, you have planned after Rooms to Let or people can find um, out? Uh, well, yeah, after Rooms to Let, um, what actually was a really cool thing is because I am a film teacher and I'm going to be filming this oh, cool. labyrinth. So yeah. that's, I really want that to be the initial kind of re kind of formulating what I'm doing with my lab. Cause I actually, I want to do it kind of as a podcast or something that I can do it on a monthly basis that it can be yeah. captured. Yeah. Even if it's out of my own apartment or we're on a corner and we're doing a lab. Because to me, like the lab for me is like an amoeba. It takes the form of wherever it's at. Well, is that, I yeah. think that's a well. That's cool. So we'll keep on the lookout. Look out for a podcast or a streaming thing. Or I think that's an excellent way to do it and to reach more people. You can get people out of the state that way. Yeah. That's exactly. It. Yeah. Thank you, Owen. I appreciate you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Thank you so much, and I look forward to seeing you at Rooms to Let. Uh, thank you, too. Appreciate you. All right, you're listening to 93.9 WRTL, The Bug. That was another installation of our Frantic Artist interviews. Stay tuned for more. All right, Zig from Zig at the Gig. You're listening to 93.9 WRTL, The Bug. Here at Room Select, inspiration can be found anywhere. We're going to take a moment to learn about one of our artists with our frantic interview series. Up next is Jacob with Chimera the Labyrinth. Well, my name is Jacob Lipto, and my project is titled Chimera the Labyrinth, and I'm on the second floor of the Columbia building. <laughs> right, right. Well, I'm, I'm currently working on it right now, so it is becoming... Um, but Chimera, well, it, it, it finds its, um, I guess, purpose or backing in the idea of comparative theology. So I'm looking at um, the idea that all people of different religions can learn and grow from the traditions and practices of others. Mm. Um, so um, it, it finds its form in a labyrinth, which is a concrete example of an object or practice that exists across many different religions. Um, there's the labyrinths of Greek mythology. Um, it exists in Hinduism with mandalas and yantras and those symbols. It's also in Celtic knots and Chinese knots and a lot of different um, visual representations in other religions. So I'm taking that as, as kind of the basis of it and, and overlaying this artistic idea of different religions coming together in oneness. Um, and a chimera, a chimera, a chimera is a term that is referred to something that is kind of a conglomeration of things. Uh, in Greek mythology, it, it refers to um, a beast that kind of comes together with body parts from different animals. Uh, and it also has this um, feeling of like a fever dream or 
of fantastical illusion, I guess. So that's the energy that I'm trying to bring to this labyrinth. That's, I guess that's fascinating. Yeah. That's really yeah. it's it's interesting because a lot of like philosophies and sayings and morals and stuff overlap in, in different religions and practices. But I never thought about about the like those that symbolic the like uh, the knot in the the labyrinth and the the um sorry that's what it's called but the the uh, mm -hmm. mandalas and all those like that's a really interesting like clear view of how similar all these differences are. Um, mm -hmm. I guess like structurally like looking at these images of these what have you noticed is it all they're kind of round like i'm trying to think all these symbols are usually circular uh, is there any other things mm. you've, you've noticed through like kind of studying these um well something about labyrinths is that they all have a very dictated path so i think when we think of labyrinths, sometimes we compare them to mazes, but mazes, like a corn maze, are, are full of dead ends, and it's all about confusion and, and not exactly knowing where you're going. Um, but a labyrinth is, you know, it's, it's sort of a meditative rhythm. And I'm taking a little bit of liberties. There's multiple paths within mine. However, there's no dead ends, and no one should get lost, hopefully. But when... Um, you look at, say, Sri Yantras in Hinduism, they are more of a visual labyrinth, although they can exist on floors and you can, you can walk over them, but they, they depict a, a specific path towards enlightenment, at least that's how I, I perceive them. And um, the labyrinths that are in Western society are similarly more about a meditative experience, but it has this strict path that you follow that brings anyone who enters it into a similar a meditative kind of culmination and you find that within yourself um that's kind of the core of them a lot of labyrinths don't have a really a beginning or end um you know i'm taking some liberties with it of course but yeah and, and you can get really deep you know finding the different com um, comparisons between religions it, it goes far beyond just you know this exhibit but yeah. i'm trying to touch on a lot of different aspects I think what I think when you can visually see something like that and like see it across all these different like mythologies and like pantheons of different religions it really put uh, it really brings a highlighted uh point to diving into those similarities and differences. Mhm. Mm For really, sure. That's really cool. That's really cool. Um yeah, I guess thank you. Thank um, you. Any, I guess uh, kind of on the idea of like do they all like kind of serve the purpose cuz I I don't know like um, of like this kind of traveling through life, uh, like I, I don't know much about the Celtic knot, and I don't know much. I'm, uh, like I know the uh, mandalas serve a th a th a just mm -hmm. kind of meditative practice. Do they all kind of have that that lingering practice theme across them, or is I think you know I think a lot of them. Well, you kind of take from it what what you will, and okay. that's definitely true with um with the labyrinths that you'll see in um, Christian theologies, like in, in, in cathedrals in France and around the world. Um, they don't have, you know, a, a specific meaning or purpose, except it's to help find something within yourself. And, you know, the, the meanings in, and um, variances are different across different religions, but they do all symbolize some form of, of realization, I guess, is what I would say. It's fascinating. Very cool. Hey, well, thank you so much for taking some time to chat with me, and I, I'm looking forward to checking out your exhibit um, at Rooms to Let. 
Yeah, thank you so much. One thing I, I would like to add is oh, yeah. I've, I've I've been working with um, no, you're good. I've been working with uh, Rust Belt Riders in in Cleveland, a local um, composting organization, and they're helping me ensure that this entire exhibit will be compostable at the end. So that that's a big part of this is that it's kind of from the earth and will return from the earth. It's all made of bamboo, paper, and twine. So you know that thinking about the whole life cycle of the exhibit itself that's something i folded into it and and they'll have some information up around the exhibit as well that's incredible like that that's the next level i don't know a lot of times you don't really think about that when you leave and i think that's really cool that you take an extra step and metaphorically it kind of fits with everything uh, yeah um, but yeah. the other thing i was going to yeah. ask um was where can we find past and future upcoming projects you have like a website or if you have anything you want to plug on the top yeah. Um, well, another thing I'm involved in right now is um, through the Heights Art Collaborative, um, Collaborage, and they picked 12 artists in Northeast Ohio, and they've paired us up to create three works of art per group based on the idea of surrealism. So that'll be opening in August at Cleveland Heights Art. Um, and I mean, there's always more on the horizon. I'm hoping that this labyrinth doesn't immediately get composted, but can be, you know, perhaps installed at a few other places before eventually um, being laid to rest, <laughs> I guess. So um, it may have a second life, but to be determined. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me, and I'll catch you at Rooms Let. Yes, thank you so much. All right, you're listening to 93.9 WRTL The Bug. That was another installation of our Frantic Artist interviews. Stay tuned for more. All right, Zig from Zig at the Gig. You're listening to 93.9 WRTL, The Bug. Here at Room Select, inspiration can be found anywhere. We're going to take a moment to learn about one of our artists with our frantic interview series. Up next, we check in with Weramuz. Hey, that's great. That's great. That's cool. So, um, well, first, with my name is Clifford Benjamin Herring. I go by Ben. My parents just had high expectations. Um, and I'm the coordinator for the movement band, uh, Making Our Own Space. Uh, we work with kids around the city, various different neighborhoods, approximately eight so far. Um, around the city, talking to students about what they want to see in their neighborhood, and then we provide them with the resources and skills to help design and build it. Um, but I'm also here with David, if you'd like to introduce yourself. Yeah, uh, my name is David Manglin. I'm the assistant here, uh, and my background is in design and construction, so I'm bringing those skills forward to help facilitate Ben's needs with moves and to work with children. Yeah, that's what's up. And so um, we've been working here in Slavic Village. Uh, this is our second year at the rec center here, uh, which has been a great partner for us. The Stella Walsh Rec Center, George and his staff, is a special aunt in particular, I feel like deserves a shout out. He was also an artist at, Stella, at the Room Select event last year, actually. So, um, but we, what we plan to do, uh, hey, that's I didn't mean to speak over you there, Ben. Um, but, um, but yeah, like, um, we're actually really excited this year um, to kind of come back. Um, uh, last year, the students built some works that ended up on uh, 55th, um, kind of in a vacant lot there that's become a garden. Uh, we built some seating that would help to kind of support the use of that garden, as well as some lighting for uh, nighttime events uh, to kind of hold the edge of the sidewalk there, and a small stage that people could use, which actually got its first use during Room Select last year. It wasn't actually, it was actually, I think we finished it two days before the drum team came over to use it for the Room Select event. 
And so uh, that's actually been cool to see people making use of the stage. And even some of our own kids have sent us pictures back later on, like dancing on it and doing their own things with it. This year is a little bit different. Um, we have a different group of kids. We have a couple returning from last year um, and a number that are new. And, um, and so with the new students, we've taken another walk down the corridor and asked them about what they saw and what they saw need for. And we've gotten a few kind of collections of ideas. Um, but all of our ideas this year um, versus the stage or the lighting last year have been really more directed at different creative ways to provide places for people to rest. Um, and this had some measure to sizes and ages. So one of our groups was interested in having a seat that had different heights so that people of different age groups would have a seat that fit for them. Another one of our groups was interested in just people being able to sit together. So they built a bench that, and this was one of our groups that's actually returning members, which was interesting, is that last year this same team built a bench but just for one person, and after they finished building it, realized they wanted to sit together with the rest of their team. And so they asked us to build a bench this we each kind of designed a bench with them. They can fit multiple. Um, another one of our newest groups, which has actually been really cool, is to see how these two teams have kind of come together. But they started independently working where one group wanted to build a chair that would allow for them to have some storage underneath so that, like, if they ever had a move night out there on the square or something like that, that they would have a place to store their bags or store their snacks underneath their chair, which was pretty clever. A separate group, though, was kind of looking at doing a bit of a smaller project. That is to say, something that was, you know, easy for them to get to kind of wrap their hands around and that they could confidently finish. And they're a newer group of students, so we kind of you know, tried to work with them and made sense of that. At the end of the day, though, it looks like we're actually putting both of those projects together so that our first kind of lounge chair can also have an ottoman for people to kick their feet up with. So, um, so that's also something that's been kind of exciting is to see how the individual interest of the group and slowly and progressively begin work, begin to rework into a common effort and a kind of a team-based project where all the projects have a bit of a operated kind of a family. So that's some of the things we're working on right now, which we are truly designing and building them with the students as we speak. Um, so today was like our second day of actual construction and um, past our design days of last week and earlier this week. And we'll be spending the rest of this week and next week actually kind of finishing the fabrication of these projects that the students have ideated over the last few days. That's incredible. And it's so it's so empowering to like build something to actually make it come into reality. You know what I mean? Like it's that's what me and Dave were kind of talking about before you uh before you hopped on. Like to actually see it come into existence is really like for, especially for a kid who's never done something like that. To know that they can actually change the world they're in even by just uh, compiling something to make it useful is such a strong feeling to be able to have, to be able to know you can do. That's what's up, man. That's what's up. So appreciated. Thank you. Thank you. Well, really appreciate you pointing that out. I, I'm really excited to see what you guys and what the students make for a, a room to let. And I appreciate your time, my friends. Hey, thank you too, thank man. You. We're super excited about it. Can't say enough for how much we appreciate the CDC and Lynn and all the work you guys have been doing to build the stage for all of us artists to be involved. Um, and I agree with you, man. Like most of the kids we work with have never even used a power drill. And so to be able to have an audience for their work so quickly is really obviously something that um, I think really truly does make a difference and, and it's something we really appreciate your partnership in making possible. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. It's really cool. Awesome. Well, I'll catch you at a. Rooms to let. Um, oh, what's the if if people want to get involved, 
What's the website they can go to to get involved with you guys? Hey, that's great. Totally a fair question. We have a few like kind of places. We got an Instagram, so we are moose. Um, it's kind of got our tagline there. But then also we have a, a website. So we are moose.org is where you can kind of check out our program, some of the history of what we've done, other locations where we've done work, as well as potential future opportunities to get students involved in various locations across the state. All right, you're listening to 93.9 WRTL, The Bug. That was another installation of our Frantic Artist interviews. Stay tuned for more. All right, Zig from Zig at the Gig. You're listening to 93.9 WRTL, The Bug. Here at Room Select, inspiration can be found anywhere. We're going to take a moment to learn about one of our artists with our frantic interview series. Up next, we talk to Kate Snow with No Barriers. Um, yeah, so I am, my name is Kate Snow, and I am collaborating with Becky Rinaldi and uh, members of PLAN, which is part of, a, of JFSA. And those are individuals with mental illness, cognitive disability, autism spectrum disorder, um, and on and on. Um, so that's the group that I'm working with. Yeah, I can. So um, we wanted to highlight disability. It's an experience that I have, and um, I worked with these folks because it's something that they experience every day as well. And we wanted to talk about barriers to accessibility for people with disabilities. Um, I think a lot of times when we think about disability, we think about people in wheelchairs who need ramps um, or people who have hearing impairment who need ASL interpreters. And that's true, but it is much, much broader than that. And so we wanted to look at things like stigma, like hidden disabilities, things like that. Um, And so what we did was we took portraits of the people we were working with and some other people. And those are going to be hung on the inside of the windows facing out. So if you just walk past the window, you would see these great portraits behind the glass. What we're going to do, though, is cover those with sheets of paper that have barriers on them. And these are barriers that were articulated and drawn by the folks in, in plan. Um, and so those are going to be covering up the people, and we'll be inviting um, guests at Rooms to Let to tear down those barriers. And the idea is that if everybody helps, if everyone's involved, we can get rid of the barriers and see the people who are behind them. And that's really it. It's a pretty straightforward project. Yeah, that's really powerful, though. That's really that's a great idea, and it gets everyone involved in just like it would have like on the social aspect of it to remove this stigma that's how you would do that with everyone partaking and seeing what's behind that's really cool that's really cool we're we're really excited about it um because i think a big part of it is normalizing it uh, especially for people who are dealing with neurodivergence or um mental uh mental issues or um depression things like that there's so much stigma around it. And if we don't normalize it, we're not going to get more people to um, come around to helping dismantle it. So we're excited about it. That's awesome. Um, is this an, how, What kind of brought about this idea? Was it the environment, checking out the, the space you guys got? Or is this something you had kind of planned and waiting for an event like this? 
Well, when Ruth Select came up again, um, and I, I did it years and years ago and, and haven't since. And so Becky, my collaborator, brought it to me and said, hey, do you want to do this? And she had some ideas, and we, we talked about a bunch of things, and we decided that if we could, we wanted to find a storefront because we initially wanted to really talk about visibility and invisibility because disabled folks often experience and talk about being both extremely conspicuous mm. and being sort of looked at, stared at, evaluated, um, and being invisible, being ignored and sidelined and um, sort of stepped around. And we wanted to play with that idea. And then when we saw the space and we started talking more with the folks at Plan, we wanted to talk more about barriers specifically. Mm. And uh, and that's what brought this around. And, and the space that we got is really perfect for this. It's the right size. It's got great visibility. And it's accessible for everyone to get to and participate in. That's awesome. How long have you been working with Becky? This is, we've been friends for a really long time. And so we've been talking about me coming in to do something with her group for a while and just hadn't really settled on, on what to do. They do a bunch of art projects. That's really her area. And that's what she works on with people, um, doing a lot of art therapy. And, um, and so this is the first opportunity that we've had to work to collaborate in this way. Um, but it's gone really great. Everyone that I've worked with has been amazing and I'm super excited because I think that a number of the folks that have been um, part of this are going to be able to be there for some of the time either Saturday or Sunday so people will actually get a chance to talk to them because that's a big part of it is it's in normalizing this it's talking to people who are experiencing this every day right no that's super empowering and I can't wait to see it and I think that's just like you said like once you, it's interesting. It's once people get past like, uh, I get how you said it before. Either trying to walk around or trying to analyze and just talk to people as people. Those, uh, yeah. That's where you, the whole project. You're removing those barriers, and that's uh, that's so cool. This is going to be a really empowering, empowering event, and like, it's cool that everyone who comes by gets to partake in it. That's, I'm, I'm really interested to see what kind of audience engagement we get. I'm hoping that a bunch of people get excited about it and want to participate because I think that it is um, an area worth focusing on, worth highlighting, and worth talking about. Well, agreed. Thank you so much for uh, taking some time to chat with me. And All right, you're listening to 93.9 WRTL The Bug. That was another installation of our Frantic Artist Interviews. Stay tuned for more.